This podcast is sponsored in part by PNAS Science Sessions. Science Sessions are short, in-depth conversations with the world's leading scientific researchers. In less time than it takes to drink a cup of coffee, you can learn about the long history of the human impact on tropical forests in a two-part feature. In part one, we learn that the Anthropocene is a proposed geological epoch marked by the lasting effects humans have had on the planet. The tropics are particularly vulnerable to the impact of the Anthropocene. In some parts of the Amazon, humans have sustainably lived alongside tropical forests for thousands of years. In other regions, sediment records reveal a long history of human management. In part two, we continue the conversation on the human impact on forested islands and how conservation strategies that remove indigenous peoples from their lands are counterproductive. Listen and subscribe to Science Sessions on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. With any new relationship, it can be intimidating to know what to expect of the other person or of the relationship overall. It's no different when it comes to mentoring relationships. If mentoring relationships are meant to be mutually beneficial, the relationship needs to work for all parties. Sometimes this means that the best thing to do is to set parameters, expectations, boundaries. This is the science of mentorship podcast from the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine that explores the mentoring skills that can and should be learned to unleash everyone's potential in science, technology, engineering, mathematics, and medicine, or STEM, careers. I'm your host, Bethany Brookshire. In our last episode, I got to hear from students who told me how they found their mentors and how, in turn, those mentors helped them find their way. Something stood out to me about these conversations— it seemed that a lot of students felt like they needed to set specific expectations for their mentoring relationships, and even set boundaries. And that is a pretty particular skill that can take some practice. Carrie Schaefer, the Science Policy Fellow I spoke with last episode, found that if she wanted to benefit from a mentoring relationship, she needed to communicate exactly what she needed. So I think something that's helped me um, from my previous mentoring experiences, definitely coming in with clear expectations and yeah, kind of understanding what I have wanted and what I've needed kind of at, out of that mentorship experience. I was very forthright with my advisor in graduate school, kind of saying, you know, I need someone who can meet with me more often or is going to be available to have meetings with me and to answer questions. I want to make sure that the time that we're spending together, you know, an hour every two weeks is well spent. And so I'm structuring that time to, you know, make sure that we have something to talk about, whether it's performance reviews or job interviews or something like that, because, you know, I kind of have this brain trust that I get to tap into. So I want to make sure that we're using that time well and that, yeah, we do kind of have the clear expectations about, you know, what I can get from them, but also what I can kind of contribute to that relationship as well. Sometimes students aren't sure what they should be expecting from their mentor. Carrie initially felt this way, but she learned a lot from her past experiences with mentorship. And I think it's just over time being in those mentorship type relationships, you start to understand, you know, what do I need out of this relationship? And also what can I bring into it as someone who's being mentored? Carrie also discovered that when it came to boundaries, each mentoring relationship was different. 
some relationships had stricter boundaries. So I think as a result of being a woman, my graduate mentor always wanted to make sure that that professional line was never crossed. And so that was always very, you know, academic, professional. Certainly we would have, you know, personal, funny conversations, but it never crossed into kind of that personal level that, you know, I've had with some of my other mentoring relationships. Other relationships had softer boundaries and were more personal. Carrie found this kind of relationship with another mentor. So I think it's much easier to kind of bridge that divide and kind of cross that professional, personal boundary and still not have it feel unprofessional in any sort of way and be able to talk about things that are kind of going on in your life and have them provide, you know, their life experience and everything. Even though the expectations and boundaries varied, each mentoring relationship served its purpose and pushed Carrie forward in her career. Expectations and boundaries can allow the mentoring relationship to thrive. They can create a safe environment with guidelines on how much the mentee is willing to share and how their mentor is expected to respond. Some students might feel like it's awkward to set expectations and boundaries at the start of their mentoring relationship, especially students who are new to academia or early in their career. Because of this, I wanted to find out what students do to formally set expectations in their mentoring relationships. Before I arrived to the lab, we had about three phone conversations that were like an hour to two hours long about like my life, what didn't work at Yale, what worked in undergrad and so on. And then he assigned me my mentor. I feel like it definitely depends on the mentor and how like how they're vulnerable with you at first. Um, I kind of, you know, they are the mentor, so I kind of let them take the lead as to what kind of um, boundaries they want to set. But I also have like, if I feel like I'm comfortable enough, I might ask like slightly more personal questions. But again, it depends on the person and what I want from that relationship. In some cases, the mentor may ask the mentee to let them know what it is they expect of them. Sometimes the mentee has to bring up expectations and boundaries on their own. Dr. Andrew Sablehouse is a postgraduate fellow in mechanical engineering at Carnegie Mellon who wanted to help the students he's mentoring establish their own parameters. As I talked with Dr. Sablehouse, I understood more and more why establishing boundaries is so important for mentees. Especially for underrepresented students, it cannot be taken as a given that, you know, faculty members or mentor or mentors or supervisors are trustworthy people. And there's a little bit of that danger in going and committing to a personal relationship on top of a professional relationship. Dr. Sablehouse knew from his own personal experiences how uncomfortable students could feel in a new mentoring relationship. They might not know how much they should share about their personal life. They might not know if they can even trust their mentor. If they're in a mentoring group, they may not know how to engage with others and what's expected of those interactions. So when Dr. Sablehouse started his own mentoring group with undergraduate researchers, he wanted to make sure his mentees felt safe to set their own expectations and boundaries. I now do not expect students to share all of their lives with me. I do not expect students to, for example, trust me a priori, um, because this is the kind of thing where I know now you know, that there are power structures involved here. And so I set this expectation very implicitly 
while we have these interactions of I'm open, you know, here you can come in and join me here, but I also don't push very hard. I know that we can form a perfectly fine, very professional relationship that still preserves students' sense of, you know, you could think about it maybe as self-protection. To help the students establish their own expectations and to set boundaries in the group, Dr. Sablehouse set up a formal method to make sure that everyone was on the same page of what's expected of them and what's expected of their mentor. If I have a group of three people or more, we will spend time doing ground rules and expectations and a community agreement. In my experience, having some of this more formal hierarchy, maybe a little bit of, you could think about it as standards or expectations, among a group of people has made an enormous impact on inclusion, diversity, and success of a more diverse group of people in the teams that I've mentored. Even though the process of setting guidelines is formal, it's a collaborative process where everyone gets a say in what's expected of each other. And it's not just a list of things to do, it's a list that we all agree on, right? That's the big difference, is that if someone says, here's how you should talk to other people, it's kind of like, well, fine. But if it's something where we've all talked about it and we all know why this is important and it's something that everyone has input on, then it's more empowering than top-down rules. Dr. Sablehouse realized that the goal of boundaries and expectations wasn't to force the rules that he wanted, nor was it just a way to bond as a group or make sure everyone felt close and buddy-buddy with each other. If they eventually got there, that was fine. But at first, the goal of the boundaries was to make sure everyone felt comfortable and safe coexisting in that group together. Some mentoring relationships will use what's called a mentorship compact or agreement, where mentees and mentors co-create and write down structured expectations and consistently check in to see if they are being met. In my conversations with students, I realized that the ability to set these guidelines in a mentoring relationship Well, it really depended on the mentor. Trayvon Giles is a PhD student who, at one point, had two mentors that had different sets of boundaries and expectations for their students. His first mentor was open to getting really personal with her students. When lab meeting starts, she will ask every person in lab how their day is going. And we will not start lab meeting until she gets an answer. And if you're like, oh, I'm fine, she'll be like, no, like, what's what's really going on? And it will get personal, whereas Dr. Nestor sort of leaves an open space and lets you decide how far in you want to come about things. And so I could just say, hey, something personal is going on. I need to take a week. And he will say, okay, you know, let me know if you need anything. But I can also say, hey, like, I'm not feeling good or my mom's not feeling good or, or whatnot. And he's able to, to navigate them as well. And so he doesn't pry, but he's also fully responsive whenever you need it. What's important is that the mentee decides the boundaries for themselves and isn't pressured by their mentor or program to put those boundaries down for the sake of their career. But I also learned in these conversations that unfortunately, boundaries are often breached. My previous postdoc, where there was an expectation that my PI would say is that I expect you to work on the weekends. And that blew my mind. If I designed my experiments appropriately, I shouldn't have to come in on weekends. But she expected us to be there, and it didn't. It didn't sit well with me or my family. 
The goal of an advisor is to guide you through the process of getting your PhD. But that doesn't give you access to me as a human being, right? Like, as someone who works for you, sure, but not as, you know, this emotional being that I am. Like, I have wants, needs, desires. I have family. I have things that are personal to me that I don't have to share in my workplace. And the expectation that I should is, is wrong. Another story from that old lab was actually with COVID. And science essentially shut down um, in New York City, or just New York City shut down in general. There was an expectation that we would come into the lab to check on things. And we were uncomfortable with that. And so we needed uh, to voice our opinions with our PI that we don't want to do this. And we could tell in the conversation that it wasn't well received. And it was a little uh, shocking to see that the priority was the research and not our uh, safety and well-being. When students told me about moments when their boundaries were breached by their mentor, I had to wonder, how might this impact their career? It seemed that when a student's boundaries were disrespected, it made it really difficult to thrive in STEM. Anthony Keyes is a PhD student who saw his peers suffer after boundaries were disrespected. His peers had moments where they thought they were safe revealing personal information to their mentors, but it didn't always go as planned. I've seen multiple people in groups I've worked with where revealing parts of their life ended up hurting them. So like a lot of my female colleagues, when they opened up about like, oh, I'm going to get married, a lot of professors saw them as like less than now. Like they're no longer committed to the work, they're just going to be a wife now. And this would be from both male and female PIs that I've worked with. This really troubled Anthony. And even though these faculty members never treated him in this way, it set him on edge. So I definitely feel like my boundaries are very dependent on the people around me and how they're treated as well. So I kind of hold my mentors to a high standard, not just for how they treat me, but people in the lab as well. When I saw a PI that I was working with treat someone like that, I would definitely shut off from them. So it doesn't even have to be someone necessarily directly influencing you, but if I see you treating people around me in negative ways, that's going to make me pull up my boundaries or even challenge your own, like calling it out and stuff like that. With the students I talked to, it seemed common that they all wanted to feel free to make personal life decisions without the fear that their academics or career would suffer should their mentor not agree with their decision. This is where boundaries help. And if the boundary is disrespected, the student should feel safe in acknowledging this to their mentor. Anthony learned that expressing his desired boundaries was a necessity. Some professors might make it clear kind of how much they want to know. And I respect that. If other professors um, I've worked with don't make it clear, I kind of try to set the boundaries myself then. At first, the idea of setting expectations and boundaries seemed a bit restrictive on mentoring relationships. But like we learned in the last episode, mentoring relationships can vary. As students told me about their varied experiences, it became evident that when all parties in a mentoring relationship know what to expect of each other, that relationship can be more collaborative and mutually beneficial. Respecting boundaries can actually help the mentee to feel safe as they establish their STEM identity and integrate it with other aspects of their life. 
Dr. Michael Green, who we heard in our last episode, felt like it was a game changer when his boundaries were respected. Finding someone who had a sense of importance of family or boundaries was a, was a big deal for me. And so the example of my current PI saying, you take the time off, take what you need. I know you just started, but that's fine. Just talk with me was when boundaries are beautifully respected. And I really appreciate that flexibility that she's able to have. When Dr. Green's mentor respected how much he valued family, it gave him the freedom to focus both on science and his loved ones without feeling like he was expected to sacrifice one for the other. Mentors often set the stage for how boundaries and expectations will be respected. Expectations can be set at the beginning of a relationship, but they should also be acknowledged and even altered throughout the entire mentorship. And as expectations are made and boundaries are respected, students have the opportunity to reach their full potential in STEM. In our next episode, we're going to hear more stories from students on how mentoring relationships can impact a really important part of students' lives. And that is family. Until then, you can learn more about the science of effective mentoring in STEM at nas.edu slash mentoring. If you're enjoying the science of mentorship, please tell your friends, colleagues, students, teachers, and of course, your mentors and mentees about our podcast. And help others discover it by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Thanks for listening.